Hello, and welcome to Capstan Live. We're the podcast that makes sure you pay the real estate taxes you owe and not a dollar more. If you own commercial real estate or advise someone who does, you're in the right place for a real talk about maximizing tax savings. Hello, welcome to another episode of Capstan Live. Today's guest, you know him, you love him. Bruce Johnson, Capstan Partner, is back and our resident energy efficiency expert, which is a good thing because today we are talking about a major game changer in the world of energy. We're talking about the Inflation Reduction Act and how it's going to really change the game. Bruce, thanks for making the time. Awesome to be here, as always, Elena. Thank you. Um, Okay, so there are a lot of changes in store. But first, Bruce, can you take us back in time, take us back to 2005, and tell us about the origins of EPACT? So the Energy Policy Act of 2005, the main initiative of that was to really put a framework around the federal government's initiative to reduce their building energy consumption by 30%. And the people that were authoring that came up with the idea of opening this up to the general public. Hmm. And as a result, then brought in the IRS to kind of fit it into the tax code to basically shoehorn in the the incentives that we're going to be talking about in a little bit more detail. But really, the main initiative of, of the Energy Policy Act of 2005 was for the federal government. And what we are now seeing with 179D and 45L are really afterthoughts as, oh. as a result of, of, of the initial stages of setting that up to where we sit today. Interesting. And I know that over the years, they were kind of renewed here and there, like piecemeal, right? Up until last year, they were always part of annual tax extender packages, which, as we well know, over the last, say, five years, have been unpredictable in terms of when Congress actually would address those. There were a number of years where we didn't find out until we're actually into the next year. Uh, There were a number of years, particularly 45L and 179D, where both programs were allowed to expire and then were brought back year a year or two after the fact that's so frustrating from a planning perspective absolutely absolutely and particularly with 45 l it's a little bit more sensitive to working in the program on a, on a real-time basis when 79d is a little bit more flexible but nonetheless it is difficult for people it has been difficult for people to plan around using these programs right. but then there was good news with that consolidated appreciation well, I would say appropriation. Yeah, I'm so sorry, appropriations. Yeah, last, well, that made 17090 permanent. Right, but but before we get into that, let's just talk about the evolution of the program. So when it was initially brought into the tax code, starting 1-1-2006, the benchmark that we were using for uh, at least 179D were 2001 standards. The so ASHRAE standards. ASHRAE 90.1 okay. 2001. Okay, and then. Few years later, they upped it to 2006. But the reality is, particularly with 179D and 45L, is that even though they were upping the benchmark standard, building code was far in advance of that. So, <clears throat> for example, in 2006, we're looking at 2001 standards. Most building code was at least using 2005 or maybe 2006 for building code. And we look at today. 
most building code mandates things like LED lighting, which has been a boom for at least 179D energy calculations. Mm -hmm. So that's now built right into the tax into the building code for most major municipalities. And by me bringing that up, it makes it difficult then particularly, so now you bring in the Consolidated Appropriations, Appropriations Act. Act last year, which did a couple of things. It Number one, it made 170 a permanent part of the tax code. Yay. Clap on that. But in that, it also changed the rules a little bit to make it a bit more difficult to meet the, the benchmark threshold, particularly when it comes to lighting. Because as I just mentioned, most major metropolitan areas have taken the building code to the most current level. Uh -huh. So for example, if you build a facility in most areas of the country, particularly on the coasts, you're gonna be expected to put in a certain type of efficient equipment, which we had seen in the past as optional and we're able to take the, the, the oh. savings for that. So what used to be like groundbreaking and extra and special is now just became mandatory. I know we've talked about this in the past, but you just look at over the last 20 years, you walk through Home Depot 20 years ago, you probably would see one type of LED fixture mm -hmm. uh, uh, for, for replacing a home bulb. Now almost every every light fixture you can imagine can be bought with LED right. light fixtures. And not only bought, but also be much more price competitive versus its competitors. Add that to the fact that most, a lot of the traditional fluorescent lighting systems aren't even manufactured. T12s are no longer manufactured. Oh, wow. T8s are being phased out. Um, and a lot of the incandescent light fixtures as well are being phased, have been eliminated in terms of construction. So we wow. see a lot of a lot of things behind the scenes, but with regard to the program, last year, the Consolidated Appropriations Act really changed things from the perspective of when Serenity is permanent, 45L was brought back retroactively under its old premise under its old uh, format and 178D again was changed primarily making it permanent it did change some of the benchmarks we have to evaluate against but it also increased the, the value annually by the inflation rate so I think right now where we sit today a project in 2022 would get up to a dollar 88 per square foot as opposed to the old dollar dollar eighty dollar eighty. Right. So right. So that's just a change for for inflation purposes, like you said. Right. But that only started through the Consolidated, Consolidated Appropriations, Appropriations Act, Act, which is a couple years ago. So. And that was big news. But now I feel like we have way way bigger news that that turns things on on its head again. Right? Yeah, and, and I think before we get too deep into it, we have to understand that yes, this is a there are some significant changes, particularly to 45L, but for and 179D being a little bit clearer, the but is that there is a fair amount of clarifications that are required mm -hmm. for us to truly understand, particularly how these pro programs are going to be implemented, and you're going to prove out the the savings, if you would, once we turn the calendar 2023. Everyone has been wanting to talk about this since this pat was passed in August uh, last month. And yes, we have high notes that we can talk about, but really when it comes down to the specifics, and this is probably the most frustrating thing that I hear from our clients is that I've got, I'm making decisions, buying decisions today 
or project that I want to want to to start and place in service in 2023, what can you tell me? And particularly with 45L, it's like, well, we know it's going to be changing in this direction, but we really don't have the details to help kind of you make decisions today that'll impact the application of the program tomorrow. So let us preface our conversation with that caveat that as of today, um, September 21st, everything that we're sharing is up to date and it's what we know. If we, unfortunately, like Bruce said, we don't know it all. We're anticipating more guidance from the IRS to clarify a number of factors, particularly regarding 45L. But as of today, 921, what we're sharing with you is what we know for a fact, and we will absolutely keep you posted on our website as new news breaks and updates to the um, code are rolled out. So with that caveat, talk to me, Bruce, 179D. Super exciting. I am loving these changes. I think it's going to be good. I think it's good news. Well, I think, at least in my personal opinion, I've always looked at EPACs, 179 and 45 being really the stand-in for a form of the uh, federal energy policy, which we've never had a formal one. Mm -hmm. But I just look at this program as really kind of giving us a loose framework to work with. And, and it's always great to, to provide incentives. So... As we talked about, 179D and 45L have been around since 1-1-2006. For the most part, 179D has been in the $1.80 a square foot. We're at $1.88 this year. Uh, 45L being a one-time federal tax credit at the $2,000 level, uh, again, through the end of this year. <clears throat> so they've been very fairly stable, predictable, aside from the fact that sometimes we got them kicked back retroactively. Um, so we and, and we and I think it's it's pretty well known how the process is to determine whether or not a project, be it new construction or renovation, can fit within the parameters of the program. And I think we also can say that, particularly with 170D, because it's effective square footage driven, that a dollar eighty you really need big buildings for yes. it to make dollars and cents sense. And so. To your point, now we flip again. And by the way, there's been a lot of discussion since the inception of these programs to evolve them over time. We did see that, as I said, a couple times we've seen the goalposts moved in terms of our benchmark mm -hmm. standards. But and then we saw just last year an increase in the 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 dollar amount per square foot, but really not anything of significance to I I feel to really incentivize a building owner to really go out of their way to increase the energy performance of the building. So now let's talk about what's written for 2023. So for 179D, we could be looking at up to $5 a square foot. $5, people. I have a huge smile. Bruce, why aren't you excited? Well, because I think that there, as with everything, there's always strings attached. So yes, I mean, that's true. Tell us about the so I mean I, I'm ever the pragmatist. But yes, indeed. I think that it's exciting to see the numbers, but we have to keep in mind what do we have to do, or what do our what do what do building owners have to do okay. to to meet that? Well, one of the changes is that we now have to include not just looking at energy performance, design, and installation, but also be looking at how the project is installed, particularly when it comes to labor. 
Oh, the so, prevailing wage and apprenticeship. Right. So, and, and there's, by the way, I think even with it, with, we understand the languages in the law, but this is an area that we need clarification. So what does that mean? How do I prove that out? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. At least I have my theories, but until we get clear guidance, you know, and, and right now we see there's a lot of, a lot of people kind of reading into the, the, the language of the law. But I think from our perspective, we, we want to tread a little bit more carefully because we aren't exactly sure what they meant. And as we've seen, it doesn't happen often, but sometimes with clarifications, it could come take us in a, in a slightly different direction. So prevailing wage, what does that mean? Well, that changes from municipality, location, location, all that could change. Um, and as you, you indicate, it's not just installing by prevailing wage, but also there could be, and this is some areas, how do we interpret making donations to apprenticeship programs? Uh, or unions or whatnot. Right, so, so to, to, for the next generation of union members, giving them training. So what does that actually mean? How do you prove that out? I think right now, we it suffice to say that we really need some more guidance to clearly understand what this, what this means. I mean, I've had a number of conversations with developers that, again, are in that position that they are kicking off 2023 projects for very soon, and they're making decisions. How do I make certain that I'm paying the rates that are necessary? Yes. Because to your point, five dollars a square foot really starts to make some make some some sense in terms of the benefit. So people really wanting to make sure that they're going to hit that mark versus I've made these right now making decisions today based on what we know you're under construction you're fully committed and next thing you know the the the, the goalposts have been moved or not necessarily moved but we understand better where they should have been and we miss and and i think that's been the biggest challenge for people that are in the situation right now of starting projects that have that have to be make you have to make hard decisions today to be able to start your project on time and when you don't even know exactly what you're trying to, to right. hit, I mean, it's we, very challenging. There, there's there's a lot of very smart people out there that have been been uh, sharing their thoughts on this, and they could very well be right. But I think that you know when you're looking at the expect setting an expectation of up to five dollars a square foot, um, you can certainly be making someone happy or maybe not so happy. And so let's dive into that five dollars. We talked about one of the major thresholds is being demonstrating that you've used or you have used uh, prevailing wage rates or made that donation to apprenticeship programs. Um, but if you don't, I think we start at $2.50 a square foot. Actually, I think it may even be less. Um, if you meet the requirements, the maximum value of the ADV per square foot is $5. But if you oh. don't satisfy the requirements, the most you can make is only a dollar so, per square foot. Right, so what... what That's so, kind of a downer. So essentially, we've been kind of talking top of the mark for the program at $5. You really start at two fifty mm-hmm. if you're using prevailing wages. And at that point, then you have to start to prove your efficiency gains. And you gain a percentage point for however your performance is up to the, to the $5. And yes, thank you for clarifying. If you're not using prevailing wage, you start at $0.50. Cents, and then you go up to a maximum of a dollar. 
So, so if you're not using prevailing wage, you're doing worse than you were on the old program. Yes, and you probably, my, my guess great. is there's probably going to be a little bit more validation and, and proof uh, or, or, or um, reporting to validate your, your claim. So I, I think we can certainly see the one of the intents of the law, but when we look at the ultimate benefit, I mean, it starts to really, I can see how it can be persuading people to be making a decision to get the, the top, as, as close to the top of mark as they can. Definitely. So just to clarify though, so, so the IRA says uh, there's a new minimum energy reduction threshold that we have to meet. You have to meet 25% energy reduction compared to, to before. And so then for every percent of energy reduction above that 25%, your um, ADV is going to increase a certain amount up to that cap, either $5 if you hit if you satisfy the prevailing wage requirements or $1 if you do not, sadly. Um, and there's also a change regarding the ASHRAE standard. You were talking about how under the Consolidated Appropriations Act, they upped those standards and they were pretty difficult to meet. Yes. But we do have some um, changes here that might make it more more um, achievable. Yeah, I, I think when we look at the, the Consolidated Appropriations Act, um, certainly when we read the letter of the law, and by the way, there's another example of things that we are looking at that happened a few years ago that we were waiting for clarification, we still have not. <laughs> so I think when we look at that, the, the Consolidated Appropriations Act, CAA, um, it definitely raised the bar and made it, on paper, much more difficult for projects mm -hmm. to, to meet, the, at that time, a 50% minimum energy savings. So as you said, to, well, not today, but starting January 1st, 2023, the goalpost would be at 25% minimum savings. Yes. And then for each percent above that, it contributes to a greater benefit for you. And so we still have, when we talk, the, the CAA, it was, you had to look at the most current um, version, version of, of ASHRAE within four years of the time. I think two, two, two years. Two years of the time that the project in question was placed in the service. Yes. So now when we look today, it's four years within before the, the building was placed in the service. So, sorry, can you even see, I'm getting my date. I started to say this four years and, I meant, and I meant the IRA. The IRA now is, is, four, is a four-year window. The CAA was two years. So, by the way, folks, Helena and the team, everybody were working on a decoder. If you were doing familiar with our depreciation decoder, we're in the works of putting together a energy decoder as well because as, as you hear me yes. kind of tripping over two years, four years, two years for the CAA, four <laughs> years for the IRA. IRA. So we're going to be yeah. laying all that out for you, but I think it just illustrates too, you know, just in our world, because we get to, to live this a little bit more frequently than most people, it can be very, very confusing. But as you know, you said before, the the benefits can be very significant. Yes, yes. So have no fear, people. As Bruce said, a tool is coming, and 
we promise um, it's coming soon. One other, actually a few other exciting things about 179D. It, now before the IRA, um, it could only be taken by designers of, you know, obviously commercial property or, you know, government owned property. Designers of government owned properties could um, claim the deduction. But now under the IRA, they make a distinction that designers of projects for tax exempt entities can also claim that deduction. So that's a good thing, right? That opens up opportunities for people. Sure. I mean, so design professional could mean the architect engineering right. world. Um, uh, could be design build firms, say a lighting company that does design build. And this has been discussed for years. And finally, starting the beginning of next year, we're going to see the availability for those design professionals, design build firms, to be able to take advantage of this program not just for government owned or, or, or rented or leased properties, but also for the nonprofits, which again, has been sought after for a long time, That's awesome. particularly for the, the, the college and university. Yes. There's been so much money poured into that, that industry over the last well, couple decades. Um, but again, that does not start until January 1 of 2023. 2023. But that's going to be a win for private schools, for charities, absolutely. Potentially. I mean, it, it, again, there's that there's that incremental cost that people are going to have to overcome to make sure you do achieve the energy savings versus the benchmark. That really is, is, is the name of the game. And ultimately, that's, if you think about it, that's the goal of the program is to reduce our reliance on energy from a commercial real estate perspective. Right. Of course. Of course. Okay. This is exciting, and even Bruce, our resident pragmatist, is going to admit this is exciting. He just rolled his eyes, if only this was a visual medium. Um, the IRA permits deduction reset. It used to be, right, well, that you I could mean, take it once, and you could take it is, once, and that was that. This but is now, actually a really good thing. Because yes, he, wait, wait, I just, I wanted to just point out, he admits it's a really good thing. Aaron, this, did you hear? Okay. This I will admit to, because... If you think about it, most buildings are owned still statistically on average about 10 years. And you think about, all right, I bought the building, maybe constructed it, and we we're talking about lighting technologies, how they evolve fairly quickly. You might have seen one, two, one or two lighting changes, say in the warehouse industry. We we're seeing people do that regularly. And so to your point, the old program was a one-time deduction. Now you can do it every three years. Every three years for commercial, every four years for tax exempt entity. Right. So if we're looking at if we're looking at the design professional world, there's a different metric. But for most of the people that mm -hmm. are using the program, the commercial, the, the for profits, it's going to be once per every three years, which That's I think amazing. is it is a big deal because buildings are evolving over time, and or it could be renovations or repositioning, could be additions, all of those were basically a one and done. Now that's changing uh, changing with regard to the 170 ID program. And this will really encourage developers to continue to upgrade their efficiency, which is the, the whole point, right? Well, that, I, that's the point. I think so, but I my guess is that they're not doing it for the, for the benefit, they're doing it because there's other, other goals. So it might be that just they, their tenants are asking for that, or they want to go after a different market right. type of tenant. 
I think those are the main, main drivers for these projects, or just stuff is old. But, but yes, not? because this could be that trigger to say, instead of buying your standard off-the-shelf equipment, I'm going to go through that incremental cost because my life cycle cost will be reduced. And this will help pay for that upfront cost. Amazing. Now, I just want to bring up one more issue or one more, more nugget of info about 179D under the IRA. And this is one of those things that Bruce alluded to that we are definitely waiting for more clarification on. But the IRA does establish an alternative deduction election for retrofits. We don't know too much about it yet, right, Bruce? Yeah, this is this is definitely one of those those uh, shadowy areas of the shadowy. Law. And you know, as soon as they turn the lights on, for, sorry for the pun, but I like it. We will we will be able to have better understanding and be able to speak more more confidently on that subject. But yes, there's yet another aspect of change with regard to um, 179D and the IRA. And I'm hoping it's going to be a good one, but we'll keep you posted. As soon as we know more, we'll convey that to our listeners. Absolutely. Okay, so that was all 179D deduction. All of those updates, everything we just talked about, applies to starting 1-1-2023 and beyond. So now let's like take off our 179D hats and let's put on our 45L hats. And this is where it even gets more sticky, friends. It gets even a little bit more sticky now. So first of all, 45L, 45L had been expired, right, Bruce? That's the first thing. Yes. So the IRA brought it back to life. It's not the first time we've had that, but yes. that's correct, yes. It's okay. expired for a year or two and came back to life. Okay, and so, in its, so it came back to life for projects placed in service this year, right? Through, 20, the, through, 20, the, end of, through the end of 2022, yes. And for these projects placed in service through 2022, everything is the same, right? No changes for 45L. Correct. The process, the, the pro benefit, the documentation, yeah, right. the, the, everything is the same. Now, where it gets a little cray is when we start looking at projects that are being placed in service in 2023 through 2032. That's another important point. 45L was not extended permanently by the IRA. It was extended for 10 years. So let's talk about how is life going to change 45L in 2023? Well, I, and this I don't is, even know where to start. It's, it's changing a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I think and this is a very has been a very popular program for builders of single-family homes, townhomes, condos, and also apartments. Um, and as we talked about, this has been around since 2006 through the end of 2022. It's at the $2,000 per dwelling unit level. So, and again, this has been a, been used quite frequently by by those those individuals or organizations in those those markets. And when we look at 45L up through 2022, again, it was for single-family homes, townhomes, mm -hmm. condos, and residential rental units three stories and lower. So that's been since the genesis of this program. Now, we flip the calendar to 2023. As you indicated, there's a bunch of changes going on. Number one, we look at the incentive. The benefit is going up significantly. Significantly. Go ahead. Wanna... I can say, okay, guys, take 2000 Throw that out the window. Starting in 2023, the credit for eligible dwelling units could be up to five grand a unit. 
Yeah, so, I mean, and by the way, remember, this is a, we, we were talking a lot about 179D as a deduct federal tax deduction. So you look at the deduction, that could be a big number, but to see the benefit, you have to multiply that times your combined tax rate to see really what your avoided tax is. 45L is a federal tax credit. So, you know, that $5,000 is, and this is what I have been hearing from a lot of people, is they are clamoring, how can I get that? Yes. So that's one change. I think the other big change for me is that you now, remember what I was talking about for residential rental, 45L up through the end of 2022 is three stories or more. Well, now that limit is taken off. Whoa, this is big. This is big. Starting in 2023, there's no height requirements associated with 45L. You could do 45L on a giant skyscraper if you wanted to. Correct, Bruce? Correct. So, and again, it's it's that that tax credit per dwelling unit. So, I mean, this is this is significant. This, and I think oh my goodness. This really comes. You know, I I was not around when they were writing the law. But you, you really weren't. could. You well, worked at the table? But you can start to see really where they're incentivizing. I mean, certainly today we can laugh, but we can see the issues that are within the economy from an inflation perspective, uh-huh. but also from an energy perspective and how we're going through a transition of where we get our energy sources. So if we reduce our demands, that just helps out the big picture. But, but, the people listening to this, for the most part, you're going to have to be paying for this. So we look at a program like this. We've gone through the, these these changes that we started to discuss. There's, there's a few others we're going to mention in a few moments. But you really start to see how the, the government is, is really trying to create a path for people to mm-hmm. put more thought and investment into their properties so that the overall life cycle cost the cost of operating that building over time is going to be reduced. And so I think that that's a that's a positive thing. Yes. It's a positive it thing. But and here's the but. We Why get back there to always a but? because we 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 have an unknown here. Probably in addition to the two changes we talked about, this one is 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 so it's A1, 2 and 3. They're all A level changes. This other one is how do we prove those savings out? Mm. And so what I refer to is the program we see today, fairly, I'd say, robust and well-known process for determining how we test each unit um, using HERS rating, ResNet rate, all of these, these, these terms that you're maybe familiar with. And we should point out that right now we use the IECC no. energy code. Right, right. So we did, yeah, I did... Oh, I'm jumping the gun, people. Too excited. So so the program, again, since 2006 through 2022 is pretty consistent. But we flip the calendar. The big change, folks, with regard to proving out your project is going to be a shift from the well-known to something Energy Star. Most people think of Energy Star, hey, I'm going to buy appliances for for my apartments. I want to have that that stamp on there. Well, we now are going to have to be going through, or sorry, you are now going to have to be going through the Energy Star program to certify the the project. What does that mean? We have a loose under. I don't want to get into the details because I think this is an area where we definitely need clarification. Yes. And there are people as you know, Helena is very gracious in saying I'm the energy 
conservation person here at Capstan. That's not saying much because I haven't <laughs> practiced that for 20 years. But the point is there are people that are in this industry and will be really, uh, particularly with Energy Star, uh, be helping us, once we get clarification, understanding better how we're, the, the process of going through and certifying a project. Because again, $5,000, I mean, if you're talking a mid or high rise property or something that's with insane. 100 it units, it really, it, it really is a motivation to make sure you're, you're building to certain standards. I feel motivated. I would think that I, if I you're multifamily, absolutely. I, I imagine they would. Um, I, just to point out too, that um, the same um, prevailing wage provisions apply to 45L, so that's another a little area of uh, that we're gonna need clarification. I wish we could tell you more about 45L's changes. We are excited, it's very promising, but again, we're waiting for further clarification and more guidance. Once we have it, we will share it with you ASAP. We don't keep info to ourselves. We like to share our knowledge. Um, whew, that was a big talk. Oh, and one more important point, Bruce. Isn't it possible theoretically now that say you have a multifamily property that's four stories or more, could you theoretically get both 179D and 45L on it? Like, is that crazy? And I don't know that you'd want to. I, I, I was going to say, I, I think that that's, that's an area that we probably should wait for clarification on because I don't want anybody walking away from, from listening to the back end of this conversation and say, wow, I get a double hit and then <laughs> on top of other incentives out there. Um, I think that this is another area of clarification okay. that we need. And we just, I, I think, you know, when, when you're looking at a comprehensive changes like this to a program that's been around for a long time, um, it's, and I think well-intended thought, but there may, there may be instant, there may, at the, when, when the lights are turned on and all of the shadows are dispelled, yes, we could, may see a situation where there may be unintended positive consequences. But before we get there and talk to more about it, let's, let's wait to get clarification. I think though we've got enough really to, I mean, looking at changes to 179D and 45L, it's going to be a very interesting time and, and to see when and if we get those clarifications. Because yes. again, we've been sitting <laughs> <Don't> for, <laughs> listening for clarifications from the CAA for a while and we haven't gotten those yet. So I hope that's not the case now. I hope, I'm hoping that, Bruce, I'm hoping that. Can you go to Washington and use your influence as a big wig? Something tells me they would have no interest in that. But ah, well, he's our big wig, people. Bruce Johnson, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're so busy. We really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I know it's still shadowy, but it's a little bit less shadowy now. So thank you so much for your time. Hopefully it is for the listeners. I hope so, too. Listeners, there is a tool coming. In the meantime, if you check out our website and you go under the blog tab, the most recent blog is a full... Um, article and analysis of changes of in changes in the IRA so that might be a great resource for the moment anyway um, if you liked what you heard and we hope that you do why not subscribe we're on Apple Podcasts Spotify Podbean or just go to our website capstantax.com slash podcasts I'm Helena Carmel here with Bruce Johnson thank you again Bruce and our producer Aaron Strongin we'll see you next time thanks Thanks for listening to Capstan Live. 
Be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Visit our website at capstantax.com for more info on everything we discussed today, plus breaking news, industry blogs, and more. Have a profitable day.